our freedom in Christ has never been to get away from responsibility. But in an American mindset, in a modern American mindset, we tend to see responsibility and freedom as opposites. We tend to look at it and say, if I have responsibilities, then I'm not free. Freedom is, I can do what I want, I can stay out till whenever, I can go party, I can do anything I want because I have no responsibilities. That's what we see freedom as. And that's a major problem. And I would say we even have a lot of that same mindset in the church. Hi, welcome to The Church Split. My name is Stacy, and I am clearly not Will, nor am I Brian. Uh, I am Brian's wife, so the, I don't know, one of the two nerdy co-host guys, um, I'm stuck with him. Uh, the guys asked me to come on and talk today. Um, I talk with a lot of teenagers for a living, um, and also kids younger than that. I am a horse trainer, and I give riding lessons, and uh, we talk a lot about um, problem solving, personal responsibility. Uh, one of the major things, I, I see a lot of life skills that get taught during uh, riding lessons and learning to work with animals. And um, so, one of the things that I wanted to talk about today was uh, something that I see sorely lacking in not just uh, working with youth, but pretty much everybody in the human race nowadays, uh, and that is personal responsibility. Um, we, we talk a lot with the kids about um, working on changing the situations that they're in if they find themselves in a situation they don't want to be in. Um, you know, for example, they're riding their horse down the rail, they get boxed in with traffic, and the typical response that you see from pretty much everybody is what you would expect. Um, it wasn't my fault, the other guy should have seen me. Um, it's, it's very similar to the uh, excuses people like to use a lot when they're driving in traffic, uh, except we have the added element of now there's an animal to blame as well. So then we also get my horse was a jerk. My horse didn't do this. Um, there's just a lot of blame shifting, uh, which don't get me wrong. I work with wonderful kids. Um, but that is very inherent in human nature. We don't want it to be our responsibility because we see responsibility equals fault rather than responsibility is empowerment. Um, that's a big buzzword nowadays. We like to talk about empowerment a lot. Um, we're gonna get to that a little bit later on. The other thing that we talk about is anticipating the problems wherever they are possible. It's, it's very much like flexing a muscle. You anticipate that that problem is coming up and this horse has these certain habits or this situation I could get in tends to result in this all the time. You start working on anticipating that and eventually you're gonna get better at it. It's no different than um, trying to get some self-discipline in your diet or working out or getting better at time management or anything else. I can get to know my own habits and be aware of where my pitfalls are. The more I anticipate those, the better I get at predicting them and then I can solve them ahead of time. Um, I think one of, the, one of the reasons people don't solve their own problems is they don't really see a way out. They don't wanna solve um, the addiction that they've gotten caught in or they don't want to solve the bad relationship that they're in or even 
you know, joblessness or all kinds of situations that people are in. And they don't want to solve them because they don't see a way out of it. They don't ask the question, what's it going to take to fix this? They ask the question, can I fix this? Um, and I, I think that growing up as a farm kid, that was something that was very different. I don't look at, um, well, I do sometimes because we all fall into that pitfall. But most of the time, I try not to look at, um, you know, the big thousand pound animal that won't do X, Y, or Z and ask myself, can I get this done? Because I'm the one that's the professional. It's my job. I'm the one that has to get it done. So if it's going to get done, I'm the one that's doing it. The question isn't, can I get it done? The question is, what's it going to take? And I feel like that's a mindset shift that I see a lot of people, especially children, that have to go through. Um, I understand that. They're powerless when they're young. They're they're not strong. They have They're very small physically. There's a lot of things that contribute to a kid not feeling like they have control over anything. So that there's a lot of things about my job that I enjoy, and that's a major one, is seeing people learn, I do have control, I do have some options, I can be responsible and empowered and handle this situation. Um, I'm, I'm here to do hard things. That's something that we talk about all the time. I tell all my kids, you don't come to lessons or come to ride this horse to do easy things. You know, it's, it's a tough lesson, but these eight-year-old kids need to know, mommy and daddy aren't paying me to teach you that you're the best at doing something that you've already done 57 times. You come here to do hard things. We work through hard things. We solve problems. Um, and it's a really good parallel. And I know any of you teachers out there that are working on math or reading or whatever else that is a really challenging thing for a kid, you all know what I'm talking about. You see these kids that they want to run away because we just, we like comfort. We like complacency. Um, we avoid discomfort. And I know for me, that was something as simple and as straightforward as, oh, hey, the cat's here. As simple and as straightforward as this idea is, um, three years ago, I remember very distinctly working with a coach that said, you cannot improve at anything unless you are uncomfortable. It has to be uncomfortable and difficult, and you have to struggle to get better. Um, and I just remember thinking that, don't like that. That does not sound pleasant. Nobody wants to run into a challenge and run into a difficulty, but we need to. That's, that's personal growth. Um, so, the thing about life is, if we look in the scriptures, Jesus never promised that life was going to be easy. In fact, a lot of the times you could make the argument, he promised that life was going to be hard. If you follow him, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be hard things. There's going to be things that don't make sense because he's trying to change us from who we want to be naturally and who we are when we're complacent and lazy to who he wants us to be. Um, Jesus didn't promise an easy life. He promised an abundant, full life. And sometimes that's full of blessings, and sometimes it's not. And most of the time, it really depends on your perspective as to what are you going to focus on. The thing we need to remember is when we, as followers of Christ and as a church body, when we start looking at trying to um, trying to, to run forward toward what God, uh, what Jesus promised us when we're trying to follow him, that the wisdom of God is foolishness to men. And so there's a lot of things 
when we have these conversations with people or when we try to solve problems for ourselves, they don't make sense. They don't make sense on a surface level. Um, they have to be, you have to push yourself beyond what you think makes sense in the moment. Um, there's a big reason why when we leave ourselves to our own devices, um, the things that we create, the solutions, the even the goals, what we think we're aiming toward in life, they sound easier and they sound great and they sound wonderful, but either they don't fulfill you for very long, they don't work, or it just isn't easier at all. And that's, that's what we end up running into all the time. That's what, when we allow our own thinking and the solutions of the world to take over, that's what we end up running toward. I would say one of the major problems, and um, I'm going to speak to particularly all the ladies out there at the moment, we are told all the time about, um, you know, female empowerment. We need to, you know, empower all the women out there. Great. That's wonderful. And like I said, I work primarily with kids and primarily with girls. Um, so I am all about that idea. I think that sounds wonderful. Teach girls that they can do hard things, that they are stronger than they think they are, um, that they, but that power and that strength is not found where we're told it is a lot of the time. I would say a lot of the time that the empowering answer is actually the thing that removes our power. Um, having a passive, dull, and frequently an identity that is, is rooted in a victimhood mentality, it does not give us more power. Being told that we're oppressed all the time or um, that all these things are, are inherently in us. It, the way that a lot of people talk to kids, kids nowadays run into all kinds of struggles with um, anxiety and depression. And no wonder, I look at the life that they're growing up in with social media and constantly being compared and now COVID and isolation. You look at all these things that they're dealing with, no wonder that they are dealing with astronomical levels of anxiety and depression. I understand that. The problem is the way that we talk to kids about it, it's not, hey, honey, you're dealing with this anxiety, and I get that. But anxiety, first of all, is a normal human emotion. It is a normal thing to feel. You might be feeling it at an astronomically high level, and we need to help cope with that. We need to figure out coping mechanisms, for some people, maybe medication that might help. That's great. What you know, whatever you and the medical professional you're seeing or whoever, whatever they feel like is a great coping mechanism. That's that's wonderful. That's one of my main jobs as a parent is to teach my child how to cope with his emotions and how to cope in a productive way. That's something I should be doing. And yet I see so many people parents and guidance counselors and all these people that are giving these kids a label to slap across. They're saying, oh, we're going to empower these kids to say, it's okay that you have this, you have this mental health problem. You have anxiety. You have depression. This is, it, it's almost like you're telling them there's something in you that's inherently broken. And I'm like, let's, let's rephrase how that, that is happening. Let's teach kids to think about it differently. Um, yeah, it might sound really nitpicky to, to start picking apart the verbiage that people use, but it's important because the words that you're saying are affecting how young people are growing up, how adults are framing their, their idea of their reality. 
the lies that they're willing to accept, all these things. It's if you're dealing with something along that line. And again, both of those are normal human emotions to a certain extent. If you're dealing with a an unbearably high level of that, you know, you need to seek help and and please be looking out for your friends that need that help. That's great. But let's start working on how do we solve this problem? What's it going to take to solve this problem? Not oh no, this is something in me. I I have it. It just is. We teach them to think about these things in such a static way. So they go back to that question, can I fix this? The question is, gosh, I hope I'll be able to solve this, not what's it going to take for me to solve this? That's not empowerment. The way we're doing it right now, you can say it's empowerment all you want. You can talk about it, but it is not empowerment. It's not making things better. Now, I am going to throw a disclaimer on here because I certainly don't want to be insensitive to anyone who is going through that. When we talk about all of these identities that are rooted in a victimhood mentality, there are definitely 1,000% situations where people are victims and people are preyed upon. And I know we've been kind of hammering on the kids because that's where my heart lies. That's where I work and I'm a mother and that's just, that's a one at the front of my mind. Um, but there are people that are preyed upon and that are taken advantage of. Not saying that that doesn't exist. I'm saying the way that we phrase this, um, the, the world's mentality about these things, it's wallow in that. Just, just own it, be a victim, and wallow in that. Don't focus on the fact that your identity is rooted in Christ. You are a child of Christ. You are a child of God. He wants to raise you up out of that, that does not define you. Who made you and who loves you defines you. Why are we not telling the kids this stuff? Why are we going through these things when they're at school teaching them about how uh, they're a big giant cosmic accident and oops, sorry, I guess you just happened to come out the way you came out. You know, I have a child with special needs and I look at him and think, God made him the way he made him very intentionally and very on purpose. And sometimes I like the way that kid thinks about things a lot better than the way other people think about things. He comes up with more logical, better ways to think about things, names for things. I mean, he's just, I'm not going to lie. If any of you have not had the, uh, for those of you who have not had the privilege of meeting my kid, he's awesome. Um, but I, I look at it and I think that's, you know, God sees us the same way that I see my son. He loves us exactly like we are. But he loves us too much to stay as we are. He wants us to improve and get better and be a better human being and be stronger and more empowered. I'm going to go back and I'm going to harp on a little bit of how the uh, feminist ideal sometimes comes across. Again, not all feminists and not all feminism. Just saying there are some extremes that disagree with I mean, we all have heard that, like, marriage is an antiquated idea and that there's a lot of people who, I've seen people cringe when I talk about the fact that I want to have a biblical marriage. My husband is the head of my household. My husband is, it does have that headship over me and I have that authority over my child and Christ has the authority over all of us. That is the umbrella. That's the, the system as it's made. And I've seen people cringe. I've said that to them and I see them going, well, I mean, equal partnership. Yes, it's it's not. I mean, if you have any questions about that, go back and watch Will's video on roles and how they're defined. It's pretty fantastic. 
don't tell him I said this, but sometimes he puts out good quality content. He has his moments. Um, is that even a blind squirrel gets a nut once in a while? That's what my dad would say. Yeah. But if I look at the example of my marriage, I am very empowered in my marriage because my husband loves me as Christ loves the church. That's the goal anyway. We all fall a little short of it, but he aims for that. And I aim to respect him and give that authority to him. So if I'm respecting him and I'm giving up my will to his will when we have an issue where we disagree, but he's loving me in a sacrificial way, then it all, we are constantly trying to find what is going to help the other, what is going to strengthen and encourage and uplift the other. That's where our marriage is. I feel extremely empowered and, and encouraged and uplifted by my husband. I do not feel oppressed in my marriage, even though we have a traditional old school, whatever you want to call it. And I got to tell you, of all the people in the world who have an easy go of it trying to figure out how to submit to their husband, it's not me. I am not I am I'm not a wallflower. I'm not one of those uh one of those women who are so meek and gentle and the epitome of everything I wish I could be. I'm working on it. Um but that's that's not something that came naturally to me. Definitely we fought a lot. And we had a, to be honest, we had a pretty terrible marriage for several years. Um, thankfully, Brian was stronger than I was and was not willing to give up. And even though I was ready to throw the towel in, but um, thankfully he was not. But that's a great example I see where people think that's really oppressive to follow God's will. It's, it's awful. And it's, it's the wisdom of God is foolishness to men. We look at that and say, that doesn't make sense. Submitting to the authority of a man wouldn't empower you but it does. Um, even just being religious in general, people look at it. And when you say nowadays, especially when you say, you know, in a very progressive world and some cities, you know, some cities in our country, the progressivism is out. It's staggering. Um, and when you go to someone and you say, Hey, I'm, I go to church, I'm a Christian, I'm religious, whatever people want to see, all they see are the restrictions. They don't see that because they don't, they don't acknowledge, first of all, a lot of people who are not trained in understanding a worldview and understanding that they have a lens that they see things through, a lot of people don't acknowledge that. They just see, well, this is right or this is wrong. Um, we do have a worldview. The thing is, your worldview doesn't change the reality of the truth. Your worldview changes how you're going to discern and, and see through to the truth. Um, your worldview does not change the facts, but you should still acknowledge your worldview because every person in the world has a bias. So if you don't acknowledge your worldview, how are you going to ever acknowledge your bias and say, okay, but I may not be a hundred percent unbiased in this. Um, if I'm trying to constantly, my goal is to daily ask Christ to, renew my mind and follow his thought patterns, i.e. the process of sanctification. If I am always trying to do that, um, people look at it and they say that that's very restrictive. They look at the Bible and they see the do's and don'ts and the rules and the laws, and they don't see these laws, God's laws are set up to protect us. They're set up to protect my heart, 
to protect my mind, to protect me physically. All these things are set to protect us because he loves us. Our freedom in Christ has never been to get away from responsibility. But in an American mindset, in a modern American mindset, we tend to see responsibility and freedom as opposites. We tend to look at it and say, if I have responsibilities, then I'm not free. Freedom is I can do what I want. I can stay out till whenever. I can go party. I can do anything I want because I have no responsibilities. That's what we see freedom as. And that's a major problem. And I would say we even have a lot of that same mindset in the church. When we start looking at who's stepping up to do the children's ministry, who's stepping up to handle um, whatever, whatever ministries in the church that need to happen, when we look at who's stepping up to help with those responsibilities, people don't want to do that. We shy away from that in the church, which is ridiculous because how are we ever going to build a community? But we shy away from it because we want freedom, not responsibility. We can't see that those two things go together. When... The Apostle Paul talks about freedom in Christ. He is not talking about freedom to get away with whatever. He is not talking about freedom to tiptoe on the line and see how close we can get to, you know, pushing it, but still technically okay. I'm not technically sinning, but I'm really, really close to it. It's not the freedom he's talking about. Um, and I think that there's a lot to be said for you know, we have to be careful that we don't fall into legalism and we don't fall into a lot of these things that, um, that are not heart postures. They're just going through the motions. But when Paul talks about um, freedom in Christ, he's talking about that we are freed to not follow our own feelings or follow our own happiness. We're freed to go do God's work. We're freed to be used by God. We are freed from the shackles of sin to go give our lives to God instead. That's what we're freed from. We are not f obligated to go uh, knock on 17 doors this month or whatever else other restrictions people come up with. We are freed to give ourselves to God. That's what freedom is. It is an honor. Why would I want to turn and follow my, my own heart? My heart is confused. My heart is deceitful. My heart is, I, honestly, as a species, we're kind of dumb and fickle. If we're being really honest, we're not the most steady or the most consistent. We don't have this figured out super well yet. So, if and if you don't believe that, by the way, if you don't believe that um, we don't plan things well and that we're pretty fickle, you know what? I have some pretty good solutions for you that I can prove my point. Get a roommate get married, have a child, or in general, spend more than half an hour with any other human being on the planet. There is a reason why you will always notice thing that people get sick of the people that they love and spend the most time with a lot faster than they get sick of strangers. We find the people that we spend a lot of time with way less tolerable because we spend time with them and you get close to them and you see gosh, they are ridiculously unstable or inconsistent or difficult or stubborn or whatever else. Because we are. That's who we are. So why, when you see that in other human beings, why would you want to say, oh, but I'm okay. I'll just follow my own heart and my own feelings. No, that is not what you're freed to do. You are freed to chase and run with all your might after God. Um, the, uh, 
Oh, the example I said, I put in my notes was spend 10 minutes with any other human being and then maybe go compare it to your dog. The dog might not be a genius, but at least you understand what they're after. The people, we fight against our own wishes all the time, constantly. And you know what? I will be honest. I will totally betray my gender on this one, especially as a woman. I try not to, but sometimes that temptation is real. So if we're looking to find the line, if we're looking to find where's that boundary of how far I can get away with, how far can I stray from God's plan, how far can I push it, you are looking the wrong direction. You are not going to be able to find what plan A is if you've got your back turned the other way. If plan A is over here, this is what God wants for my life, but I'm busy looking over there to try to find where's the line that I can get as close to as possible, you're not going to see what's over here anyway. You're not going to see the wisdom of God. You're not going to understand and get deeper into your understanding and your following and your trust of Christ because you're not looking for it. You're looking the other way to try to find the limit. Um, if you really, truly want to be getting more empowered and finding the ways that you can control your life, you step up, you be responsible, take control of all the things in your life that you can, and then let go of the rest, because there's a lot of it that you can't anyway. So control the parts that you can, let go of the parts that you can't. Um, figure out what your plan A is. Another question, especially when I ask a lot of the teenage girls, I'll ask this one all the time. In fact, if any of you are watching, you'll remember hearing this. Um, what is your highest priority in life? Hopefully, if you are a believer, and hope, I, I assume the majority of you watching this are, because why would you search out a channel called The Church Split if you're not interested in church or Jesus? Maybe you did. That's cool. Hi, if you did, welcome. Um, but I assume that most of you are believers. So if you're a believer, your highest priority is easy. Your highest priority is an easy answer for you. At least what your highest priority should be. But if I start asking um, some other people, you know, some of them that say, you know, some of the kids will say, yes, I, I do go to church. I do believe in God. But... I wouldn't say I'm a Christian, you know, I'm not actively pursuing that. And, um, you know, that's, that's their prerogative. I mean, that's something we may talk about more, but, uh, but if they're in that camp or if they're in the camp that says, no, I don't have any interest in this at all, ask people, what is your highest priority in life? And it's really interesting to ask kids that because I look at them and I ask that and so many of them say, which, of course, they don't have their lives figured out yet. But so many of them will say, I don't really know. And I'm like, okay, how are you going to know what question or what decisions to make when push comes to shove? How are you going to know when I've got to make this ethical decision at work or I have this moral dilemma or even you're deciding who you're going to vote for? Whatever, any decision that comes along. You decide what your discipline method is with your child. You decide whether you're going to throw in the towel on your marriage or you're going to keep trying or whatever else it is. How do you know how to make those decisions? Any of those big decisions or small decisions or anything. Just how to allot your time for the day. How do you know that if you don't know what your top priority in life is? To all those people that we were saying earlier that really are not that aware of what their worldview is, how do you know how to live your life? How do you know how to conduct yourself on a daily basis if you don't know what your top priority in life is? So 
stop trying to run as far away as you can from that priority. If you are a person who is a believer and who is someone who's chosen a top priority in life that is difficult to live up to, and to be honest, is pretty impossible. Um, Is impossible, not pretty impossible. It is impossible. If you are someone who has chosen that, then buckle down because it's hard. It's not something that we're going to say, cool, I'll just fight my own nature. The, The wonderful, fabulous news about it is it's not hard to achieve because Jesus took care of all that for us, but it's hard to live up to the standard that he wants. It's hard to fight our own nature and feel empowered because we have given of ourselves to Christ rather than feeling empowered because we want to struggle and whine and sit in the corner and pout like the world tells us to do. The passive way is not going to help you get any more empowered. You need to buckle down and say, nope, I'm going to pursue Christ and I'm going to train myself for that. Not just cross my fingers and wish really hard and hope, but I'm going to actively pursue training for that. Just like you would train for a sport, for running a marathon, for whatever else, you train yourself to get better. You flex that muscle enough, it gets better. So anyway, there's my spiel. Um, I am probably supposed to tell you to subscribe. Um, They didn't give me a script, so I don't really know. But uh, hope this wasn't the worst... uh, hope this wasn't the worst episode that uh, this channel's ever had. It's got to be better than Brian's, right? Bye!